All right, let's get into our conversation for this hour. Let me welcome Mahabo Ramathodi, who is Assistant Manager for Civic and Democracy Education at the IEC. We're getting into our Citizens' Corner and uh, we're still then reflecting on um, some of the changes to the Electoral Amendment Act. Mahabo, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, good morning to you, Kathy, and of course, good morning to the listeners uh, of SAFM. And happy Valentine's to you guys. Yes, happy Valentine's Day too, uh, Mahabo. Let's perhaps begin by reflecting on, on where things are. You had, as the IEC, the last voter registration drive um, just two weeks ago. Uh, when you look at what has happened since then, are we still getting more people um, registering online because the process is still open? Yes, absolutely. Um, our, you know, online voter registration uh, portal um, is uh, is busy at the moment. Uh, it looks like South Africans don't want to be left out, you know, of these very significant elections. Um, yeah, so definitely there are people that are busy uh, registering to vote online. And we appeal, in fact, as the Electoral Commission to those that... Uh, might not have used this opportunity as yet to register to vote to ensure that they, you know, uh, register to vote online. What is the sense um, that you, as as the officials of the IEC, have right now of the interest in the elections and in people wanting to vote? Because, of course, you have many people that are complaining about the state of affairs in the country, but it doesn't necessarily mean that these people are going to turn up to vote uh, on, on voting day. Uh, Kathy, you, you remember that uh, in South Africa, the voting age population is just uh, you know, around 40 million. And currently on our voters roll, after the two registration weekends, as well as the online registration activities, you know, we um, have a voters roll that has uh, uh, 27.4 million people. So um, we are left with about uh, 12.5 or so million eligible South Africans who still have to register to vote. But I believe that with the two registration weekends uh, activities, it shows that indeed South Africans have interest to participate in the elections. Um, you, you look, for instance, at the, the online voter registration facility, which actually you know, has proven to be our uh, mainstay of, of registration. Um, you know, we, we've had outside the voter registration weekends over mi- a million you know, registration activities taking place on our online voter registration platform. Um, and of course, there were those that were happening during the voter registration weekend itself. For instance, during the, the last uh, February voter registration weekend, you know, we recorded over 240 online um, registration transactions. Um, and this was a significant improvement uh, because it was over a period of two days. So we believe that South Africans, uh, you know, are, uh, are looking forward to the elections given this these numbers. Of course, there is a big room for improvement, uh, given the fact that we still have, uh, you know, around 12.5 million eligible South Africans who still have to register to vote. Part of the reason, Mahabo, why we're having these conversations is that um, we've realized that there is a lot of, I don't want to say lack of knowledge or even misinformation, but a lack of awareness 
of what this election is going to fully entail. And we're still getting a lot of questions around independent candidates and how exactly they're going to be integrated into the election. And and that's why we have you on here, um, to speak about it, at least from the IEC's perspective. So so, so let's then just get straight into it and touch on okay. the changes um, provincially and also the changes nationally. All right. Perhaps let's start with a bit of history there. You'd remember that since our first elections in 1994, only political parties could contest elections of the National Assembly and provincial legislatures. Any adult citizen hoping to be elected to parliament needed to belong to a political party. So independents were not allowed. You know, this was obviously against the constitution. So the Electoral Amendment Act uh, now provides for the inclusion and nomination of independent candidates as contestants to elections in the National Assembly and provincial legislatures, which is something that is new to our democracy. You could say a new kid on the block where our you know, electoral democracy is concerned. And it must be noted, Cathy, uh, that this is a significant milestone in the evolution of our democracy, you know, which expands electoral participation and widens the pool of leadership uh, choice for the National Assembly and Provincial Legislature as it, as, as it begins with the 2020, you know, four general elections. Now, this has introduced a third ballot for the, you know, national and provincial elections. And this ballot is called a regional ballot to the National Assembly. Perhaps what I need to do is to just unpack this ballot so that people can understand. Let's not start with that one. Let's look at the National uh, legislature, National Assembly ballots, and then we look at the provincial legislature ballots. Now, the National Assembly has 400 seats, you know, uh, and this is where the laws of the country are made. Uh, and for this particular elections, you have two ballots: the National Compensatory Ballot and the Regional Ballot. Now, the National Compensatory Ballot, uh, you will find political parties only uh, contesting the 200 compensatory seats of members to the National Assembly. The new kid on the block, which is the new regional ballot, you will find political parties and independent candidates contesting in the region for the remaining 200 seats of members to the National Assembly. Um, this ballot is a region specific and therefore unique per region. So you will not find the same regional ballot in, a, you know, in two different regions, for example. And a region shares exactly the same boundaries as a province. So we'll have nine regions as we've got nine provinces and then again for um the the last ballot which is the regional uh, rather the provincial legislature ballot you will find here names of political parties and independent candidates uh, standing for elections in that particular province again this uh, ballot is province specific and therefore unique per province so independent candidates will have an opportunity as a result Kathy, to contest these two um, elections number one the regional elections to the National Assembly, and here they're contesting for the 200 seats. And then they will have another opportunity to contest the provincial legislature elections, um, uh, but they would not be able to contest the national compens compensatory ballot, you know. Um, I'm not sure if that okay, answers no, your no, question. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. you, you have to explain what, what you've just said, especially the last two sentences there. All right. Yeah. Um, the National Assembly has a total of 400 seats. Now, since the introduction of the independent candidates in these elections, 
there has been an introduction of a second ballot in the National Assembly because the National Assembly is now divided into 200 uh, 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 seats. Firstly, the two, the first 200 seats are, are for the national compensatory ballots uh, to maintain what we call proportionality. And this particular ballot will only be contested by political parties, not independents. The second ballot, which gives independence an opportunity to be represented in the National uh, Assembly, um, is called the regional ballot. So each province will have what we call a regional ballot, contesting elections to the National Assembly, but on the, on the regional ballot. So they'll contest the remaining 200 seats, and if you add 200 for the uh, national compensatory uh, uh, ballot and the 200 seats for the regional uh, ballot, then you get the 400 seats which make the National Assembly. Does that uh, uh, yes. clarify okay. that? Yes. All right. Yeah. So, so, so when it comes then to the threshold, right, for for those independent candidates who are competing and contesting on this regional ballot, as you say, for seats in the yes. National Assembly. One of the things that has come up, in particular from the Independent Candidates Association, is that if you have a independent candidate that is, let's say, contesting in three provinces, and right. in these three provinces, they get a significant number of votes. But right. cumulatively, because they can only be um, one person that is posted to the National Assembly, some of those votes are going to be looked at as wasted ballots. What is a wasted ballot? Uh, this is a ballot that is not going to be counted towards the election results. Basically, that's what it is, a wasted ballot. Because remember, independent candidates are contesting elections as an individual. So it would not be possible, therefore, to allocate more than one seat to an independent because this particular individual is contesting uh, elections alone. So if, for example, it, it, it is required that uh, you get, uh, say, 50,000 seats to get a seat in the National Assembly, and this particular independent candidate get, uh, gets rather, uh, uh, you know, say, 200,000 votes, if this person was a political party, they would get an equivalent of four seats. However, because this particular individual is contesting elections um, on their own, they can only get uh, you know one seat and the remaining 150,000 votes then become wasted votes, which means they won't be counted towards the election results. Basically, that's what it means because they are contesting this election as an individual. So it, it's not possible, unlike with political parties where you have a list of uh, candidates um, uh, that would then, um, you know, get seats in terms of the number of uh, votes that this particular political party gets in the election. If a political party has, say, for example, uh, you know, 10, uh, you know, uh, candidates on their list and they get 200,000 uh, uh, votes and it is required that for you to get a seat in the National Assembly, as an example, uh, you need to get 50,000 votes. It means the first four people on that political party list, then will get seats in the, uh, the National Assembly. The remaining six obviously would not be able to, um, you know, get seats because uh, the 200 would then give uh, that political party an equivalent of uh, four seats in the National Assembly. What is the, the, the threshold well, that is going to be used to, to determine how many votes 
independent candidates are going to need to be represented? Uh, at the moment, uh, there's a quota that is going to be, um, you know, uh, used to calculate that particular threshold. Um, so remember, we are still in the process where uh, elections still have to be, uh, you know, proclaimed by the president, and therefore then we open for candidate nomination, and all of those things will actually have an impact. And even the voters' role itself has not closed as yet. And remember that particular uh, quota that is used, it takes into account the number of registered voters in a particular area uh, or region um, versus the total number of people that are registered nationwide. So those factors then will come into play once we have closed the voters' role for these elections. Are we looking at a situation where the system will still primarily favor political parties ahead of independent candidates? Uh, I'm not sure, Kathy, when you say favor political parties. But, but, but by, the, by, uh, the, by yes. that I mean, if you have an yes. individual that has clearly received more votes, at least if we take into account the national picture, more than a yes. political party, um, the point is that those votes, when it comes to the representation you know, in, in the National Assembly, will still only count to one. So therefore, you will have some political parties in Parliament that have received less votes for being there than you would have an independent candidate. As such is the law, Kathy, as was amended. And, uh, you know, such is the law. Because, But also we need to understand, Kathy, as South Africans, that uh, because you're contesting these elections as an individual, there is no way that you can be given more than one seat because then how do you occupy more than one seat when you contested elections as an individual? Because remember, we're trying to remedy the, uh, the defect of uh, the electoral uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, law or the electoral act, which prohibited individuals to contest these elections of the National Assembly and the provincial legislature. Now that has been corrected, however, as it gets corrected, it says as an individual, as Keith, you can contest any region in South Africa. Uh, you can contest uh, any provincial leg legislature, provided that you are registered to vote in that particular province. Now, if you contest that, you can only get one seat because you are an individual. There is not much that uh, can be done where that is concerned because um, the that's, that's exactly what the Electoral Amendment Act has actually corrected to align uh, our electoral act with the constitution so that South Africans then can be allowed to contest these elections without necessarily, uh, you know, uh, through a membership to a political party. Do you foresee a situation where independent candidates are contesting in, in different provinces, given ultimately what they might be up against? Well, uh, an independent candidate can contest any region but they can contest any province because you've got to be registered in that particular province that you want to contest. All right. We're going yeah. to continue the, the conversation in a moment with Mahabo. And, and what I'm going to need you to explain, Mahabo, is also the difference between the province and the region because my understanding is that because the regional boundaries lie along the provincial boundaries, 
the two are almost used interchangeably. But if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that that is not the case. So we'll continue the conversation with Mahabo Ramatlodi. He's Assistant Manager for Civic and Democracy Education at the IEC. I'll, of course, also take your calls on 086-000-2032. The opportunity is for us to really understand um, how things are going to run in this election. On the WhatsApp voice note uh, line 0614-104-107. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking at um, the upcoming elections for our Citizens' Corner, and we're still unpacking, right, the, the, what, the, legislat- what the, the legislation provides for in terms of the Amendment Act and looking specifically at the role of independent candidates and how that's going to change our voting. Mahabo Ramatlodi is Assistant Manager for Civic and Democracy Education at the IEC. So, so Mahabo, let's talk again about this issue of the provincial and regional um, uh, um, election. Explain okay. to me, please explain to me um, how, how those three uh, or, or those two are going to be separated. Okay, a province shares exactly the same boundaries as a region. So you could say that uh, because we have nine provinces in South Africa, uh, we also have nine regions because they are exactly the same. However, for the purpose of these elections, they had to be identified uniquely. Hence, now we've got what we call a region, you know, so that we don't say province one and province B. I'm not sure how we could separate those to try and just make a distinction between the two for the purpose of the elections. If you look at, uh, uh, you know, South Africa, for example, we've got nine provinces, as I've indicated, and each province is an exact equivalent of a region, therefore nine regions. For the purpose of elections, because we've got to have uh, uh, people that contest each region, I don't want to say each province, each region, uh, to the National Assembly, they are identified for this particular purpose as regions. However, they represent exactly a province as you know it. Because remember, on the one hand, we've got provincial elections, mm. which uh, uh, would, people would be voting for, you know, political parties and independents uh, to represent them in the provincial legislature. So for the nine provinces, then you've, you've got nine provincial legislatures. Okay. So that's the one election. Yeah. So, 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 so can an individual be on the provincial ballot and also be on the regional ballot? Yes, absolutely. Okay. An individual okay. can be on, yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, thanks, thanks, thanks for that um, clarity then, um, Mahabo. All right, let me start taking some of the calls that, we're, that we right. have coming in. Mzuvele, you're calling us from Pretoria. Good morning. Hi, Katie. Uh, Katie, I just want to ask your case. Uh, I don't want to enter the ring between the, 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 the independent and the political party. I just want to find this electoral amendment. How does it assist the voters? 
in terms of everything, the change that has been made, because you still have a, a parliament which is going to be useless, and it's going to be worse. Now you're going to have individuals who represent a very small number of people. So I just want to ask this amendment, how does it empower the people who are going to vote to have a strong parliament? All right. Thanks for that question, Mzuvele. Mahabu? Um, remember I indicated when we opened that, uh, you know, uh, this inclusion of independent candidates, um, it's a milestone in the evolution of our democracy because it expands electoral participation and widens the pool of leadership choice for the National Assembly and the provincial legislature. You know, for now, you do not necessarily have to rely on a political party for your aspirations to find expression at the highest level of decision making in the country, which is the National Assembly, or the highest level decision making in a province, which is the provincial legislature. You can be represented for the first time ever by an individual who would have been voted into that particular sphere of government as an independent candidate. Okay. Mahabu, the the independent candidates are also complaining about the cost factor of being able to participate in this election. Let's talk about what the requirements um, for independent candidates by the IEC are currently. Okay, independent candidates will uh, deposit uh, 200, uh, rather 20,000, I beg your pardon, for each region they contest and 15,000 for the election of a provincial legislature. So contesting all the nine regions and one provincial legislature, uh, they will have to pay um, around 195,000. So they're contesting all those. Uh, If an independent is allocated uh, uh, or is provisionally allocated a seat in more than one region, because they would have contested more than one region, then that particular candidate is awarded a seat in the region with the highest proportion of votes. They would require a thousand signatures of registered voters in the region or the province that they wish to contest. Those are, you know, the requirements for an independent in the main to contest these elections. Unlike political parties, because if you look Mm. at the election deposit for political parties, they're a bit steep compared to election deposits for for independent candidates. And it must also be noted, Kathy and the listeners, that uh, deposits are refunded to parties and independent um, uh, representatives that win a seat in either the National Assembly or the Provincial Legislature. So you get this money back if you you do win at least a seat in uh, any sphere of government that you would have contested in these elections. Are you seeing, uh, uh, or rather, what are the patterns that you are seeing when it comes to the registration of independent candidates for the elections? Remember, Kathy, we have not yet arrived at that stage of the you know, uh, electoral process. The voters' all has to be closed first so that we don't get more people registering to vote. And then after that, they will open what we call a candidate nomination, uh, a window period, which will be aligned to the election timetable. That is the only time when we will know uh, how many independent candidates um, have interest to contest these elections and where exactly uh, they have interest contesting, whether it's, uh, you know, they want to contest provincial legislature elections or the national elections through the regional ballot. We'll only get to know that information. And once the voters' role is closed, the election timetable is published and uh, 
candidate nomination is closed because there's going to be a very significant activity um, in the election timetable called candidate nomination. So we'll go through that particular process. Any interested political party or independent who would want to contest this election would have to express that interest uh, to the commission. Um, and once uh, they have met all the requirements, then they will then go uh, to the uh, ballot paper. So we will only know once we close that particular window in terms of the election timetable of candidate nomination, how many of them want to contest, which sphere of government they want to contest, and where exactly are they contesting from. Is there going to be a cap on the number of, of independent candidates that, that can run? And and the reason I ask this question is that if you have 50 independent candidates that meet the, the, the threshold, that meet the requirements by the IEC to contest elections, does that mean that all 50 are going to end up on the ballot paper? Yes, as many as those who meet the requirements, they will be on the ballot paper, not only with independents, as well as political parties. So any person uh, as an independent who meets the requirements to contest the regional elections of the National Assembly, you will find them on that particular ballot. And those that uh, would want to contest the provincial legislature elections, you will find them in that particular provincial legislature ballot. And what is going to determine, uh, uh, Kathy, who ends up uh, in the National Assembly or the provincial legislature is now the number of votes that these particular individuals would have been able to get um, in, in the elections. So, so we're very much looking at the possibility, Mahabo, of a, a ballot paper that is more along the lines of a ballot book. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, the IEC currently sitting with what is possibly the highest number of political party political registrations party. Um, yes. since, you know, the dawn of democracy. It, it, that's a very um, high possibility. It's a very high possibility indeed that we might end up with a, a very long ballot. Uh, it could end up even be in a booklet form, depending on the number of candidates and uh, political parties, uh, you know, who end up qualifying to contest these elections. However, at the end of the day, no matter how long the ballot paper may be, you know, uh, representation will will now be limited to the number of seats that are available in the National Assembly. And uh, at some point, I think we'll go into a an episode where we discuss how this allocation happens, the allocation of seats, because that would happen after voting. Then we know exactly how many people voted where, um, and then we use that quota to calculate what then becomes the threshold and then uh, who goes in and who's left out. Because remember, that's why you can't do that now, because you need to have those numbers uh, that will come uh, 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 with elections to know exactly uh, how many you know, uh, independents that contested, how many political parties that, that contested would end up getting a seat. Yes, the ballot paper, to answer your question once again, might be very long. So if we're then to look at those independent um, organ- the, the, the organizations representing independent candidates, from what you can see as, as the IEC currently, do we still have uh, umbrella bodies of independent candidates or have those morphed into just registering as political parties? Uh, you know, in terms of our own processes and in terms of the law, they would not be recognized as a, an association or a body that represents independent candidates. 
if they want to contest elections, they would have to then register as a political party and therefore contest as a political party. They can contest as a body that represents independent candidates. Uh, uh, there is no such in the provision of the law. They would have to register, formulate a party, meet the requirements to register a political party, and then contest these elections now as a political party. For you to be able to contest as an independent, you've got to be an individual. So, so, so then it's it's a fallacy, this idea of um, having independent candidates that are under one umbrella, that are contesting regions, are contesting uh, for elections in provinces, um, but of course are saying that no, we are not uh, a political party, we are independent candidates. They can contest elections as such a formation. The only way that they can contest elections, Katie and the listeners, is through a registered political party. And they still have to meet the requirements for a political party before they can actually, you know, uh, 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 qualify. Once they've done that, then they must also express interest during the candidate nomination process that they want to contest these elections. However, not as a body that represents independence, how as a political party. You can either contest as an independent or as a registered political party, but nothing in between uh, is recognized in terms of the law. All right. So by virtue of of the system, then um, it is going to push them into the line of political parties where they are partyless, and um, you know, yes. there's no way of of avoiding that. If I'm hearing you clearly, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. There is no way of avoiding that. At least in terms of the law, as we speak, there is no way of avoiding that because they can be recognised for the purpose of contesting elections as anything else other than a political party or an individual as an independent candidate. What have been the the concerns, Mahabo, that you as the IEC have been dealing with from members of the public? Because, you know, I, I know that you, you have been sending out your teams to different parts of the country trying to educate uh, people about how the elections are going to work. I think the greatest challenge or the concern is the declining trust of citizens in the in the system itself, in, in government as as you know as a whole. And the three primary factors come up uh, when you when you we've done a, in fact a study with the Human Sciences Research Council. Um, they they indicate three factors that come up very strongly where this aspect is concerned: the declining trust in the you know in government. One, it's uh, the issue of corruption. Number two is the issue of uh, savings delivery. Number three is the issue of unemployment. So those are the concerns that South Africans have, and they would want somebody that is going to be able to address this issue for them. Uh, and then perhaps at that point, we'll begin to see even the interest in terms of participation you know, uh, increase. Uh, because at the moment, really, when you engage with citizens, it's not that they don't have the information, Kathy. They know exactly uh, how the, the system works, they know that uh, it is important for them to participate. However, they are indicating that as a result of not having trust in uh, in government, precisely because of these three factors that I've mentioned, uh, they do not they are not motivated as a result to you know to to participate. So yeah. they are looking for somebody that can save the day where these three factors mm-hmm. are concerned. Yeah, and of course the IEC has has not been spared uh, from that scrutiny. And when we continue, you know, we'll speak about what that means for the institution. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Talking Point. 
All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. So let me go to Itumeleng in four ways. Itumeleng, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you today? I'm doing well, Itumeleng. Go for it. Good. Um, I just want this person to answer this question. What happens with independence in a situation whereby you have people, two people, with the same name and the same family name? In other words, you have a Kathy Masasana, and you also have another person by the name Kathy Masasana. Both are registered as independent. You know, so in a first-past-the-post system, constituency system, constituency-based system, you know, how would the electorate then figure out which Kathy Masasana is this? Yeah, Itumeleng, I think it's a valid question, especially given right. uh, the, the use of names in this country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you find that actually happening quite a lot. Mahabo? I, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Itumeleng, for this question. Remember, each South African has a unique ID number. So you might have exactly the same names, but your ID numbers will be different. And that is the uh, key, you know, um, aspect that is used to identify individuals for the purpose of contesting elections. We need your ID to check, firstly, if you are registered. Uh, We need your ID to check if you meet the requirements to contest elections. So the unique identifier is not the name of the individual, but the ID number. I I think Itumeleng Mahabu means on the actual ballot paper. Exactly. The pictures would not be the same uh, of this particular individuals. Remember, the ballot paper has certain uh, features that assist uh, voters to identify exactly which party, which uh, individual they want to vote for. So as much as they might have exactly the same names, their pictures would not be the same. So you'd be able to know this is the Itumelen that I want to vote for. And the likelihood of Itumelen, perhaps uh, Ramachodi and Itumelen Ramachodi contesting uh, the same, say, regional elections, the National Assembly, um, you know, you, you can check that as well. But however, for the purpose of the ballot paper, there are certain elements that go into building or designing a ballot paper. And one of these, those key elements is the picture of the independent. So that even if in an instant where their names are exactly the same, they would have unique, you know, uh, pictures. And that's how then you would identify this is not uh, the, the one that I want, but uh, rather the one I want is this one based on their pictures. All right. Okay. Itumele. Are you covered? Um, yes, I, I, I do get it. But I would also say that, you know, maybe that's something that we need to look into, you know, uh, more closely in the sense that I'll take you back to history. You know, um, when the Kennedys were campaigning for elections, somebody put in another Joseph Russo on the ballot to split the vote. You see, because now, you know, we have Italian people or other Italian-Americans in that region who are now left with two Joseph resources instead of one who could have reduced the Kennedy vote in terms of, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, um, at the time, you know, Senator um, um, John Kennedy, before he became president, was campaigning in Massachusetts. So they really need to look into this thing, you know, seriously. All right, Itumeleng, th- thanks for that. And, and I guess, Mahabu, um, part of what it comes down to is the rules uh, for really distinct identity of political parties. A lot easier to manage, I think, for the political parties than for, for independent candidates in this instance. 
Yeah, no, I, I take the uh, the advice. Uh, yeah. It's something that we'll look into as the Electoral Commission. Thank you very much, uh, Itumele. Thank All right. You. All right. Let me take more of uh, our questions from our listeners. All right. Yeah, what I would like to know is how are independent candidates affected when it comes? Good day, KFE, and your guest. Now with independent uh, candidates, how will they run for presidency? And then how will they uh, even run for, for, for premier in provinces if they are only uh, confined to, to regions? Okay. All right. Mahabo? Uh, Yes, remember the premier would then be elected by that particular provincial legislature. And if an independent candidate is a member already of that provincial legislature, they qualify just as any other member you know, of a political party to um, contest for that particular position. Equally, you go to the National Assembly, um, the president is elected in that particular sitting or structure and any member you know of uh, the national assembly whether it be from a political party or an independent has an equal right to stand for presidency and if elected to then occupy that particular seat how are you seeing in terms of the constitution of governments we we have had a lot being said about um coalition governments at a provincial level especially um, and possibly at a national level. But from the IEC's perspective, um, how, would, how would that work? So, so legislatively, are there any changes that need to be uh, brought into play for, for that to, to be fully accommodated? Um, if you look at the examples of what happened in uh, jo- Johannesburg Metro, for example, you would realize that perhaps we need a system as South Africans, and this is a discussion that South Africans themselves should have, to regulate these coalitions, um, Cathy. Um, you know, I think really uh, there were a lot of disruptions uh, to service delivery because today you've got this mayor, tomorrow is out, and the next day is back, and that in itself disturbs the whole service delivery, which is the purpose of that particular sphere of government. I think really it's a discussion that South Africans should have whether we should have a, a framework to guide coalitions or not, you know. But people often come to the IEC with these kind of questions because they think that the IEC can play a role. We do make recommendations, uh, Kathy. Make no mistake about that. We do make recommendations. However, you'd remember that our role as the Electoral Commission is to implement the law, not to make the law. So what we do, we make recommendations and uh, those then would... uh, you know, go through the uh, law changing or making process of the country. And uh, if they pass, then they will be signed by president into law. But that is in as far as the Electoral Commission is, you know, involved where the changing of legislation is concerned. On the issue of trust, um, Mahabu, just coming back to that issue before we we wrap up. How is the IEC going to be dealing with this issue of trust? How are you going to be trying to build trust in the institution because already um, we are seeing you know the statements of the IEC being biased the IEC or, or the elections are rigged and all of that 
is really, really, can be really damaging, um, especially once the elections have taken place and there is a result that has to be announced. You know, these allegations are rather very regrettable. Uh, However, as the Electoral Commission, we have a a set of values that guide our behavior. Um, And one of those values is transparency. So we have a structure at you know, all the three, three spheres of government called the party and committee, which is composed of uh, members of political parties that uh, would have an interest in elections, whether represented or unrepresented. And now that we've got independents that have been brought into the picture, they will also have uh, representatives in that particular structure, where we discuss every aspect of elections openly and transparently like that. So that if there are any issues that uh, would seem to uh, want to tarnish the image of the organization, you know, those issues then can be addressed at that particular or in that particular uh, 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 platform through your party and committee. Uh, one of those things that we do, for instance, is when we recruit our staff, uh, Kathy, we take a list of those that uh, we have recruited and we bounce it with this particular structure called the party and committee. Because as the electoral commission, we cannot know the activity of every South African. But trust you me, uh, political parties do know. So they'll come back to us and say, so-and-so is politically active, remove them from your your um, you know, electoral staff. And, and that's exa- after investigation, we find that to be true, then we'll remove them. When we go to voting, for example, every party has a right to have two party agents observing the voting process. An independent will send an individual to observe the voting process. The same will also apply during counting. So there is no you know, part in the process of our uh, uh, election management where political parties or independents in this particular instance would not be involved uh, once we um, the election timetable is uh, is published. All because right. then we know exactly, you know, the activities that must unfold and who's, who's to be part of that. All right. Mahabo Ramatlodi will have to leave it there, Assistant Manager for Civic and Democracy Education at the IEC. It's 11 o'clock.